Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. My loves, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dive deep? Or do you feel like you need some time away from the people, place, and things that make up your current life? It could be both. You're like, I need to get the fuck away from everything and everyone. And I'm also ready to take my spiritual path to the next degree, honey. Okay? Regardless of what it is, I got you. There's two legendary, amazing, delicious opportunities for us to practice together in person this year. The first one is at the iconic Omega Institute in New York, upstate New York. And the second one is in Mykonos, Greece, honey. And both of these retreats are going to be a combination of the spiritual dance practice, also known as the SAT method, also known as the spiritual workout, and Dharma talks. So let me break this down for you. The SAM method, for those of you who are like, what the fuck is that? It's a practice. Uh, it's an experience. It's a, it's, a, it's a performance art healing experience that I created um, that combines ecstatic dance, meditation, breath work, and mantra. And these four practices are here to activate, amplify, and energize the four qualities in your heart, according to Buddhist psychology, which are love, compassion, joy, and wisdom. So during the retreat... And, and upstate New York is five days, excuse me, six days, five nights, and Greece is eight days, seven nights. I'm going to tell you more about this in a second. But during the retreat, we're going to dance, we're going to dance twice a day, okay? And dance as much as you want, move as much as you want. But the whole purpose of the, of the movement is for you to actualize what you learn during the theory part. Or we're going to sit around and I'm going to explain to you through, through the, the, my interpretation and my understanding, my studies of Buddhist psychology, I'm going to give you all that I know during that dedicated, you know, retreat time away from the people, place and things that make up your current experience. You're going to be devoted towards your heart, towards your liberation. Therefore, you're going to be able to then actualize that which you learn doing theory in the dance floor. And then you're going to be, be able to bring that all back into your life once you leave the retreat. Going to retreat has been one of the best things that I've ever done for myself. It has changed my life. And you've heard, if, you, if you're a listener, uh, an avid listener to the podcast, you've heard me talk about going on retreats over and over again. If you've read my books, you know that going on spiritual retreats, it's how we take our practice to the next level. Oftentimes we do need to take time away from people, place, and things that make up our current life in order for us to truly discover who are we really and what is it that I want to do in my life. And maybe you're like, I already know who I am and I'm already happy with what I'm doing in my life, but you want to actually bring more joy, more bliss. You actually want to be happier, more playful, more lighthearted in more lightheartedness into your life. This retreat, these retreats are for you. You can either come to one or you can come to both. 
It doesn't matter. The point of the Psalm method, the spiritual workout, the spiritual dance practice is for us to say fuck off to people that says that when you are a disciplined spiritual practitioner, you become more serious. That is a lie. Okay. The truth is the deeper you become, the, the, the deeper you, you, you enter into the spiritual path and the more you're disciplined about your spiritual liberation, the more playful and lighthearted and more smiles and more humor and more laughter your life becomes filled with. Okay. So click the links in the show notes and I hope to see you at, in upstate New York at the iconic legendary Omega Institute. Uh, let me tell you the dates. Uh, upstate New York is June 19th through the 24th, okay? And Greece is um, October 8th through October 15th, okay? And if you have any questions or concerns about the retreats, when you click the link in the show notes, um, or so you can visit my Instagram bio or my TikTok bio to get all the details for the, for the retreats. If you have questions, just go onto the retreats website and, and click over there to find out how you can talk to the retreat producers. They're both amazing powerhouse companies that are producing my retreats. They will be able to help you with anything you need, okay? I love you all so much, and I cannot wait to practice with you and get free with you. Love you. Peace. Well, hello, Tori, and welcome to the show, my love. Such an honor and a joy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Where are you, by the way? I am actually in Florida right now. Okay. Is that where you live? Um, Well, that is a bit complicated. Um, (laughs) I like this already. (laughs) Yeah. Yes and no. I was working in Chicago for six years, doing a show there for six years. I've been living in LA for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, I realized I don't want to live in LA anymore. So I mm-hmm. bought a farm in Michigan, mm-hmm. um, which I love. And then I have been with my boyfriend for a year that I'm madly in love with. And he's based in Tallahassee when he's not working. So mm-hmm. I got myself over here and now I'm, you know, making here. Florida, making Florida work. So, okay, nice. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. I'm currently in Los Angeles and I do spend time in Florida too, because my parents live, uh, in St. Petersburg. Oh, nice. So, yeah. You know, it's so funny. All my friends laugh at me because I spent my formative years, middle school and high school in winter park, Florida. And when I left, when I was 18 to move it to LA, I was like, there will be nothing on this planet that will bring me back to Florida again. That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I was like, how did this happen? Only yeah. love. So tell me, before we jump into the uh, my first question of the show, like, what got you to move out of Florida to Los Angeles at 18? What was that, that mm, I'm doing this? You know what's so funny? I talk about that time in my life all the time, and I don't even know. I know that I started acting with my, when I was 15. I know that I loved it. I know that I was taking classes. And I know that the ball just started rolling and as high school went on and I started working more in Florida and doing commercials and little guest spots on shows, it just became apparent to me that I was going to move to LA. But I don't actually remember sitting down and having that conversation Mm -hmm. with my parents. It was like they knew it and I knew it. Mm -hmm. So I got a manager at 17, went out there, met him, and then just 
packed up my Explorer Sport and drove across the country. I love it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. So first question I ask every guest is, who are you right now in this moment? Ooh, who am I right now in this moment? That's oh, that's such a good question. Um, goodness, I am uh, so many different things. I I'm going through such a transition right now. I'm like trying to you know connect myself more to the simple things. So I feel like I'm connecting more to like cooking and gardening and being very at ease, um, which is weird for me because I've always been very connected to career and all that, which, which I still am, but I'm just, I'm kind of like turning into a new phase of life where I'm just focused like solely on spiritual growth and family and, you know, I'm, I'm you know, signing up for new composting services and having people come out to teach me how to garden and all these kind of things, like just trying to do what I think. I think that's what the pandemic taught me, right? Like what's really, really mm -hmm, important. Mm -hmm. So I think right now, who am I right now? I'm just me, a mother of three dogs right now, feeling calm in my Adidas sandals and comfy sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect answer, honey. Perfect answer. You know, sometimes people read me their resume when I ask them this question. I'm like, honey, I have an introduction, you know, that goes before this. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? They've already heard everything about all Their entire resume has already been read. Um, but this is the answer that I love. It's that. It's like, who are you right now? And just like really letting us in and this ongoing, transitory, always changing experience that we call Tori, that we call Sa, you know? So thank you for that. Thank you. Okay. You have so many different things you're working on, um, uh, that you, so many ways that you're helping, that you're creating change. And, you know, I believe that the, the, the need to create change in the world comes from having a spiritual awakening. Was that the case for you? You know what's so funny? I feel like I I was always very spiritually connected since I was a kid, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how to define that. I know I grew up going to church and, you know, I believe that whatever works for you works for you, but I knew at a very young age that organized religion didn't particularly work for me, but I didn't know what that meant and I was always exploring everything. You know what I mean? Even in school, like when we were into Greek mythology, I was like what is this? You know, like in seventh grade, like, what is all this? So I just was always connected to something. And I do think that that drives me because I think it gives, it's always given me that base of nobody is more special or less special than you, right? We're all one, we're all connected. And living from that place, I think is always like giving me the the springboard to go off and do everything else I want to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Let me ask you, your vision of God, is it a, a monotheistic? Is it a, a polytheistic or is it like a pantheistic? Is it? Do you believe in multiple gods? Do you believe God is in everything? Like, what's your view or do you believe there's only one God? And I don't put you on the spot, but like, wow. you know, this is, this, is, this is a show for it, you know? Yeah. I love it. It's so funny. Um, I so uh, I am on day like fifty in the course a course of miracles right now. Do you know? Yes, of course. I love it, and I have tried to do that. That, and I always stop around like day thirty sometimes, and I'm like, I'm at fifty. <laughs> um, but 
that connects very deeply to me. To me, God is love. God is in all of us, right? And I love how in the course it says that depression and all that comes from us living in these very unnaturally separated bodies, forgetting that we're all one. And to me, that is God. God is in everything, right? That That's why I love the course. It's like one day you could say, I give all the meaning to these headphones that I can give. And then you're like, these headphones mean nothing. You know what I'm saying? And I, yes, and I, yes. I love that. But what's weird is I think growing up in a religious um, aspect, it took me a long time and I still even stutter over it because to me, I went through a phase where the word God almost had a negative connotation to me because it was something that was used to put fear in my body. Exactly. It was a punitive God, right? A yes. punishing. Yes. And now like hearing it even in the course, like I kind of twitch. I always have to say, you know, God or love or universe, whatever you say. So I'm trying to now build that again to feel more comfortable saying the word God again and you know, just loving mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. I can relate 100%. Oh, my goodness, 100%. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the course came into my life because of my boyfriend. So we read um, the Lum Rim, which is like a Buddhist sort of like equivalent. It's a 365-day oh. uh, practice. It's kind of like a... A Mahayana Buddhist Bible, and then you have the Course, Course of Miracles. So we we would finish finish our practice in the morning and read from the Course and read from the Lam Rim, both kind of integrating this Buddhist, um, this you know this Buddhist understanding of reality and the Course of Miracles understanding of reality. And we also had um, Marianne Willinson on the on the show, and oh, and wow. yeah, and uh, you know she's a she's a huge propagator. I think the Course of Miracles became a huge huge um, success, it was already destined to be great because of how yeah. profound the text is. Um, sure. And I think with her support, it kind of like became huge mainstream. Yes. So well, that's how I found out about it. Actually, I had read a, a Return to Love and I yes. heard her talks and I didn't know what a course. I was like, what is this course of miracles she keeps talking about? <laughs> um, I have to get through the text, but that's my goal. And somebody said like, there's 31 chapters. If you read a chapter a month, that's 31 months. And I was like, I can do that. I'm mm -hmm. going to. Exactly. Um, that's great. But I got to check out that other one you're talking about. The, what do you, uh, Lum Rim. The Lum, Lum Rim. Rim. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, like, take it easy. Like, you know, dancing and like massage. Like if you're making a kale salad with raw kale, like you have to <laughs> massage, you know, the kale with some olive oil and some mustard, you know. <laughs> You can't just yeah. eat it raw because it's like too bitter and yeah. sour. Although you know it's really good for yeah. you, you can't eat it. Eh. So it's the same thing with the lum rim. And yeah. the Course of Miracles too, same. The the, the material is, is, is a brutal, radical perspective shift. It's training us to swim up against the stream, across into the shore of liberation. It's We're not trained to do that. We're trained to... You know, to trust our comfort zone and trust our, our pleasures and trust, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you, was there a moment that you had what we call sort of a dark night of the soul, as Joan of, Joan of the Cross speaks about? Was there a moment that you were like on the floor in your kitchen sobbing in despair or just a moment that you woke up and you looked yourself in the mirror and said, who are you? You know, oh, can I say every day? <laughs> <laughs> I 
yes, please, Lani. Thank you. Oh my God. Seriously. It goes in and out. And it's so funny because every time I'm on one of those kicks where I'm like, oh boy, I've got it all figured out. I'm like, girl, you know, by now, give it a week and you'll be on your hands and knees again, you know, because I feel like <laughs> yes. that's the thing, like, especially like with doing the course and stuff, it's like, the deeper you get into it, it's like, you know, dealing, all of it is about forgiveness, right? And when you ask to be taught forgiveness, I cannot tell you how much has come up for me in these last 50 days. Like, I have been just so much has popped up. And it's just that moment where you get on your hands and knees, and you're like, I surrender this, Mm. I do this alone. And I think that was the one thing that I love the most is like, realizing you don't, you know what I mean? You are so Mm. by the universe. And pushing it over, pushing your relationships over Mm -hmm. and I've just stopped trying to guide my path and just kind of let it illuminate in front of me, which Mm -hmm. is so liberating. But my God, I have like those down on my knees moments all the time. Mm -hmm. Was there one that was kind of like a catalyst for like, okay, I'm no longer that person. Like the past version of me, I don't know her. She died. I actually, what you're seeing right now is me celebrating her death and opening up room for a new version of myself to be born. And you said so many things like the surrender piece. I want to talk, I want to speak to it as well. And I also want to speak to the forgiveness piece because it's part of the show. We always ask about forgiveness, every single guest. And if they come on here and we don't talk about forgiveness, the podcast gets cut, honey. (laughs) So thank you for bringing it up ahead of time. But let's talk about the, it was there a moment that was just like, oh my God, you know, because you started your career at such a young age. You were you were kind of just like divinely guided from a young age, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was there was a there was like two significant ones that really um mm. uh stand out to me. There's one in my twenties. Um and what's funny about that one is it did revolve around my career. I started realizing how much I loved acting and I felt so grateful. I had really started actually like consistently working and I was Mm -hmm. like, I love this, but I found myself around a lot of challenging people and I went outside. I was in reconditioned air all day long on set and I found myself getting very depressed and I opened up my computer one day to, to kind of like search where I could volunteer and hospice popped up on my search. And I started volunteering in hospice then, and I swear to you, that like changed around my life. And I know, I don't know why hospice popped up on my computer. I hadn't, I didn't even know what hospice was really. And Mm -hmm. so that was a moment where I was really like so down. Like everyone, even when I said to my family and friends, I was like, well, I'm going to start hospice volunteering. They're like, you're so depressed already. Like, don't you think that's going to make it worse? Mm. And it it illuminated this light. And it was me just kind of giving over and trusting that. This is popping up for some reason. I can't do this alone. I'm not feeling well. I need to do something outside of this career that's just showing you, flashing you all these things. It's just egocentric, you know, just go, go, go. And it really slowed me down and calmed me down. And then the most recent on my knees version I had was um, actually about two and a half years ago. I had gotten out of yet another very toxic, unhealthy relationship. Um, or maybe it was like a year ago, actually. And uh, and it was just 
I just had given up. And I was like, I know I'm a good person. <laughs> I don't know why I keep finding myself in these situations. Mm-hmm. And I finally had that that realization moment where I was like, it's because I'm trying to do it alone. I'm not asking for help. I'm not surrendering. I'm not. And I finally like gave it over and let it transform itself. Like let God and the universe and love transform it and transform me. And and then literally in walked my like boyfriend who is nothing like anybody I've ever dated. <laughs> nothing like anybody I'd ever been attracted to. And it was like I opened that space by surrendering that space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thank and it was you for that. Really, yeah, it was really it was really interesting. But my God, I like two and a half years ago, up to like a year ago, I was just it was it was just a lot of toxic stuff in my life, just a mm-hmm. lot. And I just didn't know. I was like, I don't get it. I, I do the spiritual work. I do this and I do that. But but I was trying to control everything myself. So I wasn't. You mm-hmm. know what I was mm-hmm. I was just intellectually doing all the spiritual work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said, you said so many epic things. Oh, my God. Like, ugh. My goodness. And it's something that I have, you know, said to to the listeners here and to all my students over and over and over again, the day that I was plotting my exit, the day that I was plotting how I was going to unalive myself, the day that I was going to kill myself, I sat at the beach in Florida and it was, it was a year after I left the fashion industry and like a few months before I was about to board a plane uh, to India to spend almost three years there doing the deep inner work. Um, but it was what you said. It was the service piece. I can't stress enough. Your family and friends said, Tori, you're so sad already. You're so depressed. You like, why are you going to go and work in hospice? Oh my God. That's so morbid. That's so, it's going to make you even worse. And what you said, it's, it's literally, I love you're just like, oh my God. I'm like, yes, honey, thank the God, thank the cosmic mother for you because you're just speaking to the truth of the, of the genuine spiritual path. It's like, when people truly understand that they, when they are in deep, profound suffering, going out, like getting out of their own ways for a second and stepping into the shoes of somebody else and helping somebody else to see the light, even if it's just for a glimpse of a second, what that will do for their inner world, you know, and scientific research shows that, you know, helping others, it's, it's truly selfish at the end of the day because you're truly like boosting your own neurochemistry. You know, you're really activating your own connection to the cosmic mother when you're helping somebody else. So um, I love that you said that. And I want to I want to bring it back about forgiveness. Like how has forgiveness played a role in your life? Because I think that forgiveness is how we will bring the world into harmony. I think it's it's if people ask me what's one thing when people ask me at the end of a talk or something, they say, what's one thing you want to leave people with? And I always say forgiveness. And people are always like, what? I'm like, yes, because when you recognize what forgiveness really means, you're going to have a a really hard look at yourself and your own life, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Forgiveness has been probably one of the most challenging paths because I never understood it. And I still don't. I'm still working on it every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Me, I was like, well, what is the difference between forgiveness and being a victim? What is the difference between forgiveness and being a doormat? Like, so I'm just supposed to accept all this bad behavior and just forgive and move on? Like, where do you stand up for yourself? 
Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember what book it was. It may have been, I think it was a, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. I, I have to remember. Um, but they said that the word forgiveness actually in Hebrew, when Jesus said it, it was actually mistranslated. It wasn't forgiveness. It was to divorce. And so it is actually separating yourself from that which holds you. And it's like, so when you send love to that situation, but you separate yourself from that, mm-hmm. you are divorcing yourself from that because, and then like the Course in Miracles says, anything outside of love is fear and fear is just illusion, right? So you focus on where the love is and you separate yourself from the mm-hmm. other stuff. And then when you can sit in that and forgive and then draw your no and draw your lines from that loving place, mm-hmm. that is is the salvation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that is so fucking hard, man. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yes. Yeah, forgiveness is not I, approval. You know, it's not approval. No. It's like, it's not, it's not saying I approve of your behavior. It's saying it's, it's not approving of, it's not giving consent for more of it to happen. It's recognized that it happened in the past and I no longer want to seek revenge. I no longer want to like harbor and hold a grudge and see you as a bad person. I want to free myself of seeing anyone as a bad person. I want to decolonize my mind of all hate. If your vow, anyone listening, is to decolonize your mind of all hate, then forgiveness has to be part of your default practice. You can't, you can't awaken a mind that's completely, utterly, profoundly free of hate if you're not forgiving. If there's still one person in your life as you see them as bad, this person is toxic, this person is just horrible. If you're not releasing the hook and seeing them with the same possibility that you see yourself as someone that could change, someone that could progress, someone that could that could become liberated, someone who is an expression of the cosmic mother, someone who isn't an expression of the Buddha, you know, then something's got to change. Forgiveness is the gateway to a liberated mind. Right, right. And what else was fascinating about it to me that I actually recently learned was that when you are sitting and not forgiving someone, it's your own guilt that's tormenting you. And I was like, well, what does that mean? If somebody punches me in the face, why am I guilty? Why do I feel guilty? It's because everyone is your mirror. We're all brothers and sisters. So what you do to me, if it, if I have a reaction to it, it's because you can – somebody said a great example. Like they were um, mad at something there – their kid was being picked on by somebody and then they were finally so frustrated by that. They were like, he's just so hard on my kid. And then she realized how hard she is on her kid. And she was so angry at this kid because of the guilt she didn't even know she was caring about being hard on her kid. And once she released that wow. the kid, all of a sudden just stopped coming around. And I'm like, Oh my God, every time I've been so mad at someone, you can connect it to your own guilt and then forgiving yourself giving that. And one of the Course in Miracles um, lessons that I actually did recently was, um, uh, what is it? Uh, God is the um, love I need to forgive or something. And then saying that and putting whoever's name or God is the love I, I, I trust to forgive myself. And I'm like, oh my God, it's, it is so much bigger. Because if I think of all the little hurts that I've had and you think to yourself, okay, well, this is just, you know, a human illusion and this is not real, then what is the guilt there? And if I see them as the universe, love, the cosmic mother, God sees them as perfect, then essentially they are perfect. We're Mm -hmm. all one, right? Mm -hmm. I always look at it like 
everybody has the same ball of light in their chest. Just some people have a little more dental plaque around their light than other people do. And if you remember that, then it's like you're getting back to what's real. And so it's, it's, it's hard, though, because there are some people, like when I do my meditations, that will still come up for me. And I'm like, but I forgive them. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. but I released it. Mm-hmm. And when you hold on to that fear, you're only damaging yourself. They don't care. That's right. Their their you know, lives may be, yeah, their relationship to that experience may be completely different than yours. You know yeah. what I mean? Some some people, some people's experience of trauma, it's 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 very different than ours. You know, sometimes you feel tremendously bad for what you did to somebody, but their lives have moved on and they're totally happy and healthy and safe and living with ease and thriving. And you're still harboring on what you did. You still, you know, like punishing yourself over and over again for what you did or in the same way in the same you may be you know harboring holding on to to the blame narrative into the victim narrative and 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 poisoning your system and 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 inflaming your system when they are not thinking about you whatsoever you know they their life that has moved on and and we also have to remember that there is a natural law when people say what about justice when it comes to forgiveness there is a natural law of justice called karma the oldest religion in the world you know, in uh, all the mystical religions in India, I mean, they started calling it Hinduism, but there's a lot of different um, names to it. And it's the oldest religion in the world. And it, the natural law of karma was introduced with that religion. And, you know, the Buddha spoke about it and all the sort of later religions that have come, all the mystical traditions that have come. They've all sort of done their job at, at interpreting and speaking to that because, you know, every single thing we do has a consequence, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an action and a consequence is a, is a two for one deal, you know, so don't don't feel the need to punish a person. And another way that I've loved to describe to people forgiveness is is releasing the desire to punish, release the, the, the desire to punish yourself or the other person, whoever it, you need to forgive. And that helps you to, you know. Touch base with the cosmic matter that helps you to touch base with the Buddha nature at the base of your being. That helps you to activate your own your own benevolence. And and honey, I guarantee that you're just gonna sleep better and you're gonna be like more more excited about life. And all of a sudden, you're gonna be able to see out on the street and see in the media and the news everywhere on Instagram more of more of the reflection, more like more reflected to you of of your dreams. Because all of a sudden you're opening up more room in your mind, you know, because when you are holding on to forgiveness, to lack of forgiveness and harboring in the, in the blame identity, in the trauma identity, in the victim identity and not forgiving and plotting revenge and, and all the stuff, your, your, your view of yourself on the world is very limited. So everything you see out there, it's going to continuously reflect the lack of forgiveness in here. And when you work with forgiveness, what you see out there will be a reflection of your dreams, of your aspirations, of how you're going to contribute to the world, of the art that you're going to create, of how you're going to beautify every aspect of your life and yourself, you know? And I do have to just, you know, say this last part. It's like, yes, there's a natural law of karma. And yes, there's a natural law of justice. And all these things will support you to transform to transform your relationship to, 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 to the lack of forgiveness. It will help you to heal and all the things. And when something traumatic happens to you and someone says, forgive them and think about this as a gift, I always say to them, fuck you, fuck that shit, not right away. 
Don't you come up in here telling me to, to say this trauma happened for me and thank you so much. No, it happened to me first. First of all, this happened to me. And then we can work ourselves up the spiritual ladder, the spiritual steps. And it may take some people a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Some people may take a decade, whatever, as long as it takes. But as long as you're walking towards the path of seeing what happened to you as for you, from you, as it happened to you because it was put it there because you put it there. That's what the natural law of karma says. It's there because you put it there. So at some point, we open up to the third truth. Of, of, of existing with it happened to me and it happened from me and for me. And then we open up to this higher logic of understanding that everything that's there is there because we put it there, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. They say, you know, you get the love you put out, right? You receive the love you put out. Same goes for not forgiving and, and hate and all that other stuff. And it's, I believe hell is a state of mind. And why would you want to keep yourself in hell? Mm, that's right. That's right. Let's talk about surrender. Because I usually have like a, a gag reflex with this word. I'm usually like, shut up, honey. Don't talk about surrender. Unless you, because when I ask people, what does surrender mean? And I could tell just by the tonality of your voice and, and seeing you on the screen, it's like you live it. You know what it's like to surrender to God. So it's beautiful. So I want to hear you talk about it because oftentimes people say surrender. And it's like, what? Like, don't tell me to surrender. Don't tell me like, no, because you clearly are not, you haven't experienced it. You read something on Instagram and all of a sudden you're trying to tell me to surrender, honey. Excuse me. Like, no, I know what truth sounds like and the texture of truth is deeply experience in my being and i yeah. hear from you surrender and i and i hear truth i hear full body truth right here so first of all applauding you for having that for having that experience and then talk to us about surrender what does that mean you know oh gosh it's it's definitely transformed for me over the years because i still do have that little sicilian girl in there that sometimes is like what surrender no um but to me it just it means giving over to, you know, the universe and just saying, I don't have to do this alone. I feel pain right now. I am going to surrender that to love to the universe and let it guide me and light me. And what opportunity do I have here to grow from this? And what can I see? How can I see this differently? That is such a powerful statement because it literally transforms your way of thinking. And so it's surrendering over to that. I know I'm seeing through the, the eyes of my ego right now. How can I see this differently? The way I am playing this out right now is not working for me. How can I see this differently? How can mm. I surrender this to the greater good? Mm. And do you do this in prayer? Uh, yeah, a lot of times I say it in my head. Sometimes I say it out loud if I'm like really struggling. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of times I'll just stop. You know, I even if somebody is irritating me and I find myself getting a little worked up, I'll mm -hmm. stop and I'll just say, how can I see them in my head? I'll be like, please, please help me see them differently. Wow. And then usually something will get revealed and you'll go, oh, that's why you behave that way. Wow, that makes so much sense. Now I have sympathy and now I can connect with you because mm. I'm a truer version of you. And so, yeah, it's just like every moment you can think that, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. So 
And if if you're doing it in if you're doing it out loud, guide us with the words for the listener, because that is a really like if you want to learn about surrender, genuine surrender. Here it is. You know, write this down, everyone. Yeah, please. I literally, will stop and just say, "Please help me see this differently." Mm. Please help me see this differently. What I am doing, I cannot do this alone. Help me see this differently. I surrender my relationship to you. I surrender my career to you. I surrender this, whatever problem it is, fill in the blank for yourself. Mm, mm, Please use this for my higher good. Mm. I say that almost every morning about um, everything, you know, and I'll say, you know, good, you know, I have my good morning prayer. That's the same prayer that I say in my head every day. And then I say, you know, what is that prayer? Um, I say, I am here to be truly helpful. I am here to, um, oh my God, I just forgot. I'm here to be truly helpful. I am here to, oh my God, I think I've, now that I'm like thinking about it out loud, I just totally, I say it every single day. I put you on a spot there. Sorry, honey. (laughs) When people ask me about my morning praise, I usually like, what? I've been saying this for over 10 years. Now I can't remember. Okay, go. Helpful. I am here to represent that which sent me. I no longer need to think about what to do or say because that which sent me will direct me. I am happy just to be here knowing that all grace is within me. I will be healed as I let the healing happen through me. Please use me. Please lead me. Please show me the way. And then if there's anything that comes to mind that I just can't figure out, I'll say, you know, dear God, please use my relationship with whomever for your highest good. You know, please use my, you know, this job that I really want. For mm-hmm. your high, I surrender this to you. And then mm-hmm. I move about my day and it just changes the course of your day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That is so beautiful, honey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was so special. You know, oh, wow. Thank you. Let's talk about your work um, with women. You're a huge advocate uh, for women's safety, health, and rights, uh, and you're on the board of directors for many programs. Can you can we talk about the programs and can we talk about your role in them? Yeah. Um, so I'm on the board of directors of this uh, organization called Safe Bay, which I I absolutely adore, um, and I I work alongside Rain, um, which is the number one um, you know hotline for women. Um, uh, and I, I got involved, well, first I found Safe Bay through watching a documentary, Audrey and Daisy. Um, and the girls that were in the documentary, I found out online, had created an organization together. They were all sexual assault survivors. Um, one of them had passed, though. But they made this um, organization to help teach kids and you know young youth about consent and sexual assault. And for me, um, you know... What I think we have found, especially right now during this whole time of life, is that there's not many women that haven't experienced. There's a lot of men too, but there's not many women that haven't experienced some form of sexual abuse or assault. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I feel like I had this awakening in my 20s. I'm just being very open where mm-hmm. I remember I was like 26 or 25 years old and I sat down to watch this play. It was called Slut the Play. And this girl was touched inappropriately and she was, uh, it was, she had been sexually assaulted. And I was a 26 year old woman. And after the play, I said, wow, that was so powerful. But I thought you could only be sexually assaulted if you were 
raped. And they were like, that is rape. And I said, but I thought rape was only if somebody had sex with you and you didn't want that. I didn't know other things could be considered sexual assault and rape. Because mm-hmm. I came from the, the tail end of a generation where, you know, boys will be boys. And, you know, you do things to, you don't, I didn't know my no. And mm. I started by seeing these young girls that were becoming very empowered and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. I wish I had somebody that could have talked to me candidly about this and told me my no, showed me that no is okay, that mm-hmm. it's okay if you feel like you're not going to be liked by somebody or uncool or this or that because my mom is such a great, one of the greatest influences of my life and mm-hmm. she's Shiro for sure, 100%. But, you know, she came from an even – worst generation where that stuff just doesn't really you know catcalling is like well isn't it flattering it's like no it's not flattering mm-hmm, <laughs> no mm-hmm. um, so i wanted to work with young girls because i had had some instances in high school where i'd put myself in situations that i had to kind of grieve for the young version of me because i was like oh man she didn't know how to say no and she didn't want to be doing those things so how can i use that now for good to help guide younger girls so that they don't make those same mistakes, so that they can feel empowered to find their no. How can mm. I use that for good? So that's why I, I love working with young girls and just being honest and candid with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what an amazing work, yeah. honey. Thank you. Thank you for using your platform for good. You know, I think a lot of people in, in the public eye, with, with uh, in, in your case, with such a big uh, platform, it's, I love that you are really under, like really utilizing all this for, for transformation, for healing, for bringing about the message of the cosmic mantra of, of, of the saints and the sages. So good on you, honey. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about your work with in detention uh, centers uh, with young women. Tell us about that. So that actually is something new that I haven't quite started yet. The conversation has become rolling and I'm trying to find my place in that. Um, Okay. Mm. I recently saw some documentaries on Netflix about young girls in detention centers. And I know it's not as simple as this at all, but Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that even when they would speak about it, the lack of love in their life. And it kind of gave me that same effect where it was like, I want to work one-on-one. I want to do something where I can meet someone and, and just kind of be that support in whatever way I can. You know what I mean? Um, I think I really, it, I relate to that. I relate to young people who don't really understand a lot. You know what I'm saying? And so um, to kind of be able to, like you said, use where I've gotten to myself to now to be able to give back in that way is something that I just, it really makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And do you think you're going to go actually into a correctional facility? Do you see yourself going to, into prisons and, and doing talks and doing work in that capacity? I would love to. I mean, that's definitely the end goal. So, uh, I would love to, I just have to see who's going to let me. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I really hope that happens, you know, because that is so necessary. And we also know that, you know, um, especially a lot of women who are in correctional correctional facilities. Um, I mean, honey, let's not even open that door right now because it's going to get me angry and fiery. But I just want to say that, like, you know, our, our correctional facilities, what we perceive to be a way to help people is actually like destroying 
uh, society and 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 women who have been brutally brutally abused um, are, are, are are you know. It, it's just a, it's a whole thing like it's a whole thing so thank you thank you for choosing to to be to explore this and to enter into that space you know and same for me i haven't had the 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 the, the blessing the karmic blessing to go work in, in in prisons and jails and correctional facilities but that's definitely something that i'm working towards it's creating the perfect causing condition for me to be able to put myself there and support people in that space and and help them to use that time uh, for restoration and to to kind of like help them, you know, use that time to connect with God, to the cosmic mother, to to their Buddha nature, to really like, you know, connect to to their spiritual self, to their spiritual side and self in a different way. Um, because our our justice our justice system is so fucked. You know, so fucked. It's like, it's fucking crazy to think that we can put people in jail and punish them, that they're going to be course corrected into being good people. It's, right. we know across every indigenous community, every indigenous uh, society, every mystical tradition, older than, than all the, you know, it's older, older than all of us. They say that it's through restoration. It's not through punishment that you bring somebody back into connection to the cosmic mother, to God, to their benevolent self, and to connect connecting to their basic goodness. So, um, I love that you're that you're gonna do that. And please let us know once you've done it. I want to have you back on the show to talk about it because that will be it's such a necessary experience to talk about that. Okay. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's talk about the Akashic Records. Yes, yes. I love it. Um. You know, that's another thing that kind of landed in my lap in a very random way. Um, I I work with this amazing energy healer in Atlanta. Her name is um, Janet Raftis. I absolutely adore her. And she had, I think, mentioned something about the Akashic Records to me. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I went and got a reading. And during the reading, the woman had said to me, she's like, you know, you you could you could do this. And I was like, oh. Maybe. And so I found this woman. Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name. It's Christina Smalls or something. Anyways, she was the assistant to, um, is her name Linda Howe, uh, who wrote the Akashic Record books? Anyways, uh, I'm, I can't believe I'm, but I'm so bad with names. It's That's okay. But you know what? What's good is that you're actually trying to give credit, which is like the most important thing. The intention yeah. is there. I think a lot of people in the yeah. bubblegum spirituality world, they're just regurgitating these masters work and calling it their own and then it's just this mess of like you know so thank you for thank you for the intention there yeah good keep going <laughs> so she she was the assistant to this woman who wrote all these great akashic and she happened to be based in chicago and so while i was working there i signed up her for her courses to learn and um it was just so transformative for me it was like it was so powerful. It's something that like, I feel like I have learned like an iota, like a little grain of salt of how deep I could actually go. And one thing that's hard for me is I am a true and true Gemini. And so I know a, a little about a lot. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'll get mm -hmm. into something and then I'll want to go learn the next. So what I need to do is like really hone in. And I just, I love the Akash Records. After I um, had learned it, I actually went and I rented this little, it was actually called a fairy cabin in Wisconsin. And it was on like a hundred plus acres of farmland all by myself. I have to say at night, 
when there was just one little slide lock on the door and it was pitch black and I was on. <laughs> I was, t- I was like thinking about Michael Myers the whole time. I was like, oh, I'm done. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Oh, my God. Right? You're like, what have I done? This was so good in theory. But no, it was so great because um, I just learned how to do the Akashic Records. So I was just reading mine. I brought all my tarot cards. I was like in the mode. And I actually read the records of the land. And the land was one of the first farms in Wisconsin that um, – an Irish family. It was like a, a bunch of Irish families that came over and it was the first one from like 18 something. And it was the last one standing. Mm-hmm. And, oh my God. Sitting there reading the records of this land that was so old was so magical. I can't, it was just like, it was just mind blowing. And it's that to me is what it is. You know, some people will be like, Oh, that's so woo woo or whatever. And I'm like, I live under the guise of like, look, it could all be true. It could all be not. It could be blacked out at the end. It could be not. Who knows? But while I'm here, I'm going to play with as much as I possibly can play with. And Mm. this is so fun. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And it resonates with me and it helps. Mm -hmm. So why not? For for people who don't know what what the Wakashic records are, explain it to us. Okay, so the Akashic records, how I see it, Um, because I'm also a Harry Potter nerd, I see it as like this big, huge, magical library that has all your files. And you have your guides and your spirit guides and the masters of the records all there guiding you. So instead of trying to figure things out on your own, when you go into the records, you are allowing those guides to pull from files and show you things from past, present, you know, future that will help you very currently. Mm. That is how I kind of condense it. I know Mm -hmm. you speak about it much more extensively and eloquently, but um, that to me is kind of how I put it. I love it. I love the simplicity of that, of that definition. That's great. Have you gotten to like a, uh, a past life in in the records that were like oh honey <laughs> oh my goodness wow have you had one of those i have and i have to be careful who i say them to right like i'm like you know mom you were actually in my <laughs> last life and she's like what are you talking about now tori <laughs> oh, oh my god this is too good I say to my boyfriend, I'll be like, babe, no, I started like riding horses in Chicago because you remember I went on that spiritual retreat and I was learning how to talk to like trees and I, and I grabbed this stick and the stick told me I needed to be around horses. And he's like, so let me get this straight. A stick told you, you needed to be around horses right now. I was like, yes. He just stares at me. I'm like, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to leave not knowing your audience right but yeah i've had what the the craziest thing that ever i um went on this spiritual retreat with all these like vortexes on it with that woman janet that i told you about and we were all standing in a circle around um this vortex and i had this intense moment where my grandmother showed up and basically showed this whole line lineage of women and all this trauma that had happened, because I always felt very uh, dark about things, about um, uh, feminine things. And I felt like I carried this weight that I didn't 
really that that wasn't mine to carry. And my grandma walked up and put her hands on my shoulders and she said, this is not yours to carry and showed me the whole line of women before me that did carry this. And, mm. and it was so beautiful. And I feel like when you open yourself up, all these amazing things like little miracles, and things show up you never would have thought about, right? But then to some people, it's just crazy. And that's mm-hmm. what I mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I love this so much. And I love that you said that this, that this pain, uh, isn't necessarily yours. Right. Um, and that is, that is such an interesting, um, that is such a refreshing perspective because a lot of the times we are unaware what's being cooked into our, into our, our karmic mind stream. What, you know, the previous iteration of, of Tori, the previous expression of Sa in a past life, in many, many, many previous lives, you know, all the things that our previous expressions have done, have experienced, here we are now experiencing it too. And when we choose a family, when we choose a family lineage, we're choosing them because we either have the, the same tools, because either, no, because we do have the same, um, the same seeds of, 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 of the same texture of the experiences they've had. And also because we have the tools to support them and they could support us to become free. So it's where the, the lines kind of get blurry about like transgenerational trauma. You know, for some of you who've been listening to the podcast and following my work for a while, you know, when I did a TEDx talk about transgenerational trauma, about feeling this, this heaviness and then looking into my family tree and seeing, oh my God, my grandmother committed suicide. And then she had a son that was brown skinned that no one liked and just feeling her pain and her guilt and her remorse and then his inadequacy and his betrayal and his uh, brokenness and, and really feeling super heavy. And then understanding that we, we are part of this long lineage of, 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 of people who've had the chance to liberate themselves and the people who didn't have the chance. And, and here we are up to Tori and Sai and everyone listening to, to, to break the generational curses, to actually stand up and say, you know what? Although in this lifetime, I have not created this amount of, of pain for me to feel this heaviness, but... If I'm experiencing it, I will be. I will use this pain to 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 help. I will I will work with this pain. I will liberate myself from this pain. And as I liberate myself from this pain, you're liberating all your ancestors. You're liberating everyone that's come before you, and you're liberating everyone who's gonna come after you. And how amazing that your healing is transforming your entire family tree. Your entire ancestral lineage is receiving the blessings of your current choice to heal. And that's amazing that when we think about the Akashic Records, when you had that, that mystical experience with your grandmother, you know, she's showing you, hey, Tor, you have the opportunity now to help us all who were silenced, to help us all who are canceled, to help us all who are abused. You can feel the heaviness and say, I don't want anything to do with it. It's yours. Bye. Or you can say, you know what? I don't, it's not really part of my current. It wasn't created in this lifetime as, as I'm aware of, but I'm going to work with it because I've been given the opportunity to transform this lineage for everyone. How amazing is that? You know, I will pass it down to my daughters one day. That's right. Know? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, that. I, I love what you said about family. Cause I do believe that the people that are in your life, especially your family, are the ones who are here for your optimal amount of growth, no matter That's how right. 
challenging that may be sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe that 100%. And I also, you know, in Buddhist psychology, it is said that your nuclear family, uh, you chose them because they have the perfect uh, capacity to help you to become liberated and vice versa. And it said that in between lifetimes, you actually walk down a hallway and you choose your parents for that specific reason. So how amazing is that? That like, although some parents are tremendously, you know, um, abusive and harmful, and it's just a lot of a lot of pain and destruction happens. And what we do with that destruction, you know, it's what we do with it. It's what we do with it. Um, I want to talk to you about acting as a spiritual practice before we have just a just a little more time. Um, and and I want to talk to you about act as a spiritual practice and also your most mystical experiences, like the the top one. Um, okay, acting as a spiritual practice, you know, um, what I think is so beautiful about acting and spirituality is the, it can be kind of cathartic, you have to tap into so many emotions, you have to tap into so many different psyches, right? And, um, and you have to connect with so many people, which to me, that is what made acting for me, I can be a bit of an introvert in the sense um, that I just, I replenish and recharge by myself through meditation and reading books. And I could get stuck in, at home for a long time and be fine with it. But acting has made me go out there and there's a lot of different personalities. And I'm not just talking about other actors. I'm talking about crew and directors and producers. And it has put me in many positions where it has challenged my spiritual growth a lot, where I have had mm-hmm. a lot of fears in my face all the time. And so being able to work around that many people has been um, super transformative for me. And then, you know, just like I said, the acting itself, getting to tap into so many different emotions and learning things within that. You know, I've had so many spiritual breakthroughs that I feel like I was gifted with if my character was going through something and I was going through something and I used that something to drive the emotion of my character in that moment and was able to work that out in unison with my character which is kind of trippy. Um, it's kind of beautiful too, you know? It's, epic, epic. Yeah. This is exactly why I, I, when, when I hear, when I hear you speaking as an actor, as someone with a successful career, right? And I'm talking about success from a very sort of, um, um, you know, small mind, but also one that, that, you know, can create, that creates influence and power that can help either to alleviate suffering or to create pain. So, I love that. And there's a whole field of, of psychology um, called uh, psychodrama that I'm really interested in. And it also opens the door for ritual theater and for these somatic embodied uh, uh, transformative practices. So I, you know, I invite you to, I invite the listener to, to kind of, you know, when you're looking at my work and you're coming to, to, to the spiritual workout or to the spiritual dance party that I do, it's we're doing this ceremonial magic. It's it's really ritual theater. It's really using psychodrama. It's about that experience of using acting as a, as a tool for liberation. So thank you for that, my dear. Thank you, thank you. Tell me about your most mystical experience, and then I have one last question, and then we're gonna go. So my most mystical experiences. Oh my gosh, I. <laughs> <laughs> I, you've already I, shared so many but I'm, i feel like you know the grandmother no, one was pretty big but i feel like you have one in yeah, there that's like mm. i do you know what was crazy uh i remember i was um in a relationship and i was living with somebody and we were very different he 
you know, not for either good or bad. And I remember he was playing all these video games all day and they were just killing people on the screen. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so aggressive. And I just like, whatever, do your thing. I'm going to go in the other room and meditate. And I was meditating and I had this like insanely angelic meditation where it was so angel guided and angels were popping in that I'd never even heard of before. And I was like, wow, this is, this is wild. It was so beautiful. And I went out there and I remember he was still playing his video games and I said, you know, it's so funny. I was just in there playing with angels and you're out here playing this video game. And I was like, I'm going to run to the grocery store. I'll be right back. I go to the grocery store. I literally come back in. We hadn't been out all day. He was still on the same couch. And I go in between the counter and the refrigerator. refrigerator and there, I could actually grab it later and show you that because I keep it by my bed, was a feather this big, like about a foot long just on the floor. I was like, I held it up. I go, this wasn't here when I left. Where did this come from? And he was like, I didn't put it there. And I was like, well, we're in the middle of a city in Chicago. Like what bird is in Chicago that this big, where did this come from? Oh and my he was God. like, you're creeping me out. I don't know. And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. And then another time, I'll just tell you. Yes, what. yes, yes, yes. So, I had this summer where I was like, I felt like it was like my summer of the June bug. And I had just learned about the June bug, the Egyptian, you know, the, what is the proper term of the June bug? Um, a scarab. And, you know, it's a sign of synchronicity. Yeah. And, you know, cause they like, you know, just transform and how they kind of like roll their, you know, species and then the mm. turns into something and that like grows into whatever and so you basically like roll your shit and you're transformed that's like how my mind <laughs> I was like, Great. so i kept saying to everyone i was like i feel like i'm having my summer of the scarab my summer of the scarab because i'm transforming so much this summer and then one day i was in chicago i was in that same apartment in that same relationship and I was not living with him yet though. I was living at another place, but there was construction going on and I couldn't focus. So I was spending the night at his house, woke up, he had to go to work. I didn't leave the house once that day. I remember I was wearing jean overalls and a tank top all day. I was just writing. I was in a writing mode, sitting on the couch. So I never left the house. I get up, go to the bathroom and I, I have the video. I can share the video with you. I dropped my overalls and a huge like that shiny neon green scarab falls out. No way. No way. Oh, no way. No way. No way. (laughs) I was freaking out. I put it on a tissue and I texted it to him because I had been telling him. I was like, this is my summer of the scarab. And I was like, look what just came out. He was like, you're freaking me out. (laughs) Oh, my God. And that's what I think is so fun about like spirituality stuff. When you open yourself up. That's right. Stuff just, I mean, I can't tell you, I know it's like on a small scale. When I am open to love, I see hearts everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In the sky, in the leaves, in the thing. It's like when you open to it, that stuff is just the small stuff. That stuff just starts popping up everywhere, right? It's that's like, right. That's right. Everywhere. Oh I my God. <laughs> oh my God. I love it too. And wow, these are such delicious, um, such delicious mystical experiences. Like, so, like, Ah, deep, like ex- long and, 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 and exhale, you know, it's so beautiful. Thank you. And um, the last question before we close the show, what does it mean to you to be uh, spiritually sassy? Ooh, spiritually sassy. You know what? That's so funny. I've never, 
thought of that before. Um, but spiritually sassy. I feel like uh, a lot of times, especially the way I grew up, like in religion, you think to yourself, oh, you know what? I have to just be so, so good, you know? And you know what? I'm human. I am human. I will mess up. I curse a lot sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I get angry. I have this little like head tilt my boyfriend always makes fun of me about and I will, you know, and it's like just because you're spiritual and you live in line with that doesn't mean you can't show some sass. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't. So you can't play and have a little bit of sass and like, you know, mm-hmm. with it. So that, that's kind of what that means to me. You know what I mean? Debunking that whole like that whole thing like just because i'm spiritual i have to get everything right like no way man i'm a human mm-hmm. i'm gonna twirl around this shit and have fun and like i'm not perfect nobody is that's right uh thank you so much tori it's been such a joy oh my goodness thank you thank you so much truly like wow thank you where can we find you where can uh, the listeners stay in touch with you um i am on instagram at tori devito on instagram um, and that's basically the main social media platform I use. So that's the best one. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a joy. Thank you so much. Lo- everyone listening, lots of love. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. Awesome. I'm Sada Simone, and you've been listening to the Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and reveal this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another Spiritually Sassy Conversation. Thank you so much for listening and I love you.